You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro from Sasfin in Johannesburg. David, there's been an awful lot of results out recently, and today is no exception, of course. We had Barlow World for a start coming out with numbers. What have you made of, uh, first of all, the ones we've had out today and the ones that have preceded today's results? Yeah, you know, Barlow World is a, it's a fairly good number, um, helped by upbeat mining numbers, particularly in Russia and in, and in Southern Africa. They're well-placed there. They're equipment suppliers. So it's a fairly respectable result. Uh, like, you know, there's one thing that characterizes all the numbers that are coming out. Yes. And without exception, everyone points to difficult conditions, particularly when we talk about the consumer in South Africa and conditions here. So I think in, in Barlow's case, they're, um, you know, in fact, they're even looking at a Mongolian uh, equipment producer. They made a bid for the uh, what's Wagner or Wagner uh, Asia. I, I, I don't know the business, but you know, Mongolia is still a, a very big mining area, uh, very close to China, very close to Russia, in between. So they're okay. You know, that they're, they're not a bad business. Um, I, I haven't been attracted to them. I think largely because of the inconsistencies that we see in in mining and also because of their exposure to logistics and uh, and uh, motor vehicle uh, you know sales here but uh you know credit to them they they're bumbling along the shares are up um i think in this kind of market we're tempted to look at anything that could give us a positive return mm. Yeah, Barlow World uh, shares currently around about, two, mm. around about 2% higher as we mm. pre-record mm. this interview. Uh, one that's not 2% higher is Pioneer Food Group Limited, uh, down nearly 12%. What a disastrous set of numbers. It, it is a disaster. And, you know, I think along with it, a lot of other food companies have come down. I think what caught us by surprise was the very high levels of inflation. And, and to try and put it into one soundbite, I mean – they really sell uh, cereals. They sell maize. Um, that's that's where they. Ma- In other words, they sell bread and and very basic foodstuffs, rice, etc. And what's happened there is there's been downward pressure on their pricing, upward pressure on their costs. You know, which is uh, unusual. And and I think that's squeezed their margins and really uh, kind of squeezed them out of business. Um, it's it's you know obviously by the price reaction. Uh, it took the market by surprise. We knew that these businesses were a bit tight. You know, we've been looking at Tiger Brands and various other companies in that area, and and we knew things are not uh, not great. It's been a very difficult situation. If you look at even if you looked at Astral's numbers, which are chicken producers, or uh, they, they you know they sell poultry, uh, the same thing there. We've seen food prices go up. You know, we've seen their their uh, input costs go up and the, the sale of birds go down. So it's been a kind of trend, and we're seeing it now with, uh, um, you know, w- with produced fruit, with with bread, with maize, and uh, you know, maize meal and other products. So not a good result. Um, shares down 11%, but it's taken a whole lot of other shares down with it. Um, and it's you know, Tiger Brands down about 3%, ABI down a similar amount of uh, as well. Um, yeah, overall, not a good day for our market. 
Not really, no. Adcorp's numbers came out as well. They're down 1.5% at the moment. Mm. It says here, underlying earnings before interest, um, etc., EBITDA, for the year increased by 34%. Net profit after tax increased by 147%. There's obviously got to do with some acquisitions there because it, these numbers can't be organic. Now, I, I, I've lost touch with them, uh, to be honest. I used to follow the company quite closely, but it's, it's changed in character so much. I've, you know, I've lost my feel for them, uh, um, AdCorp. So I don't, I don't even know what they do. And the last time I knew they were heading off to Australia. So I'm not even quite sure where they placed anymore. <laughs> but, but anyway, I've, you've alerted me to this. I've still got some time. I'll, I'll, I'll have a closer look to you in the <laughs> okay. course of the day. <laughs> okay, Johnny Good. Revenue for the year decreased by 2%. So there's obviously yeah. something going on here. There's some uh, <laughs> well, creative they, they accounting. You remember they used to do all the adverts in the Sunday Times for staff, and uh, yeah. they used to place a lot of blue-collar people, and uh, they were considered labor brokers and came under a lot of pressure at, at, at one stage. And I suppose they're the kind of people who do very well in a very strong bull market where you're looking for staff, which is not exactly what's happening here. I think, if anything, it's, uh, it's a very difficult situation here. Aspen's been in the news recently. I mean, it yeah, disposed yeah. of its business mm. that it has been trying to dispose of for, for ages. It's also divested itself of a portfolio of prescription and OTC mm. products, it says here on this stock exchange, new service products in Australia to Myland. Okay, so yeah. all the stuff that it's buying uh, that is now non-core, it's selling. But uh, yeah. if, if you well, have a look if, at the purchase price and then you look at you what know, they're selling it for, you say to yourself, goodness me, you were really sort of quite gung-ho and yeah. reckless with your purchases all those years ago. Well, I, I think what's happened to them is, is, you know, this was all part of a policy to uh, diversify out of generics in South Africa. And uh, I think they've been squeezed. They squeezed by high debt. And, and, and have to sell what they do not consider to be their core, uh, their core businesses. But mm. I think the market, you see, if you look at the market, the market's still not responding to it. Yes, it's alleviating some, some of their, their debt issues, but I think you'll only see a turnaround when they finally start to make, uh, you know, when operational profits increase and they start to, to do better from a, a, a you know, revenue point of view. So I still think, yes, we're relieved. It's it's good that they're doing these things, but I mean, it's uh, it's still some time, you know, it's some time away before you can call uh, the bottom. I so, was yeah, it's they're in the 105 area, but I, yeah. you know, unless you get a good set of numbers, uh, I can't see them going to, uh, you know, they, I I don't think they'll run up to 120, 130. I don't think they'll see a big run. Richemont's numbers, Investex numbers, and yeah. Spars numbers. Let's have a look at those three, yeah. which have come out since we last spoke. Yeah. I have to start with Investec because the new, yeah. relatively new CEO, joint CEO that is, Hendrik Dutoy, who used to be inextricably linked with Investec Asset Management, which they're demerging from in July. I think he's a good CEO, and I just think that there's some potential to be yeah. unlocked there, if you like. Yeah, you know, I think Hendrik couldn't wait for Stephen to resign and for Bernard uh, and Akanta and Stephen Kossoff to resign so that he can actually implement the split uh, away from the bank because I think he's been one of the main earners for the bank and he steadied them and he's, he, it was his division, the asset management side, that really, I think, got them through the difficult times. And he wants to be on his own. You know, I don't think he wants to be dragged down by the difficulties of running a bank. Asset management is a clean business. You know, you, 
you, you produce a product and you go out and sell it and uh, in comes money. You know, so clean margins, you, you don't have any debt problems. You know, you, you don't have the issues that, uh, that investors faced uh, after the crisis in 2007, 2008. So the the problem is that he does, you do reduce the size of the bank considerably. I would imagine on a easy to analyze split, it would be a third to two thirds. In other words, Hendrick's business, probably 30, 35, maybe even up to 40% of the value. The other side, the the bank, 60%. So, um, what, what, you know, you know, what attract, what, what, uh, highlight, what, sorry, one of the highlights was the UK business seemed to be doing okay, um, on the banking side, despite Brexit. I think where the problems were in South Africa, and that's understandable. Very, very tough conditions here. And, and you know, you know, investing, how do yes. they make their money? They lend money to, to rich people, to their rich clients. Clients are those who want to gear themselves and build property and buy golf courses, etc. That was where their business was. Um, they don't have uh, – they always focus at the top end of the market, richer clients, etc. So they haven't got the benefits of a, bar, of a uh, first round or a standard bank or a net bank, you know, who has – People coming off the streets, depositing their salaries and, you know, drawing and using credit cards and various products like that. So, uh, I, 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 you know, I don't find it, uh, they haven't done anything for about 10 years. You know, I'm not sure they are going to do anything. I don't know what their new policy is. It's very difficult. I think with Hendrik at the helm, there's, there's something going to happen, and the spin-off, the spin-off of asset management mm. is going to be mm. an interesting one, and the yeah. the new name of the asset management company is going to be very interesting as well. And the interesting thing was, you know Greg Davies from Kratos Capital, who I speak to every day, and you see him running around occasionally in Johannesburg. He's got a slip. He's, he's got some kind of document which shows his father, B.C. Davies, the head of the stockbroking company, B.C. Davies. It was a financing slip from Investec for a BMW 728i from the early 1980s. And that's the sort of person they were. They, they were financing yeah, exactly. doctors and dentists and professionals exactly. to, to, to buy assets. And that's how they started. Absolutely right. That's, that, that's their business model. Mm. And I think they played that out and, and faced uh, tough competition from RMBs and other businesses. But that's where they made their mark. Uh, and in a similar way, they would find... Uh, uh, entrepreneurs or alternatively businessmen who wanted to buy properties and invest in other areas or other asset classes, they came to their assistance. But I think that's played out. You know, that's, uh, but that's exactly what they were. That's strange, yeah. David, uh, Spa came out with a set of results as well last week, mm. and I spoke to Graham O'Connor, the CEO. And what struck me about this was the first time, was that the first time for many, many months, I saw a prospect statement, which is you've always told me to go straight to the prospect statement before you actually have a look back. So it's almost like you're reading a newspaper from the sports page right through to the front page. And it was, we think things are going to get better. Essentially, that's what it says. And I don't know. I mean, did you agree with that? They've got a good, well, they've got a good business. I think they're doing pretty well. They're one of the few businesses that have gone offshore that uh, are, are making progress there in Ireland and in the UK, the south of the UK, I think it is, in Switzerland. And yeah. I think they're now going into Poland. I know very little about Poland. Uh, the prospects there, although Mark Weiner from Redefine is incredibly positive about uh, what's happening in, in, in Eastern Europe. You know, the quality of the economy there. They, 
they like Australia have uh, certainly Poland haven't seen a recession and so I think I think yeah, and you know you can't you can't fault employees operations here as well very very solid and steady so you know I I, I think that's where the positive you know where he gets that positive spin from um, look they're good businesses problems are that that he faces intense competition here. Yeah. Um, as as things get you know as things get tighter here, so you tend to to discount, cut your margins, and that. And I don't think he can, uh, regardless of how good he is, kind of combat that or overcome that. You've got to be pretty smart, but a very very good business. Let's talk about retailers if we can, because we've got the yeah. Monetary Policy Committee uh, meeting coming up. Uh, it's a two day meeting, Wednesday and Thursday of this week. The South African Reserve Bank will decide upon. South African interest rates on Thursday afternoon, or rather we'll know about it on Thursday afternoon. And the retail sector, what would you do? Yeah, pick and pay pretty good results. You've got Spa, well, they were, they were okay. Uh, Checkers has been under, uh, under pressure. You've got Clicks, um, uh, Discam. Discam's numbers disappointed the market. If you had to have a retailer, if you absolutely had to have one, or if you do have them, David, and tell us if you do, what would you go for? I, I wouldn't go for anything. I think they're very pricey relative to the kind of growth that we're getting. Uh, so you have to make a call on 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 one of those. So I, it, it's I can't find uh, good value in Lindsay. What we're seeing is that it seems to be you know wherever you look, and I look at I always look at charts in terms of saying okay, what does it show me in terms of you know buying and selling people where they're buying and selling. And, and it's very difficult to read what they do, what the charts do show you is that the prices are just, uh, or, or companies are trading in a very narrow range and just drifting sideways. Um, there's been big turnarounds in, in pick and pay, I think at the expense of ShopRite. ShopRite's still a very solid operation. Spar, a good operation. If I had to choose, it would certainly be the ones you've mentioned, whether it's a Spar, a pick and pay, a shop right, or alternatively, the beauty products, um, mm. you know, uh, retailers, clicks, or even Discam, although I think Discam came under a lot of pressure because of strike action. But clicks seems to be the one that's, uh, you know, that's a standout performer. Um, and, 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 and maybe if, if pick and pay can continue, but I've, I've avoided all of them at this stage. I, there's nothing there that, that, that drags me in. What does drag you in? Anything at the moment? I mean, are you getting no. dragged in? Um, or are you, are you looking no. at the overseas markets, for example, and saying the trade wars and the Ira- Iranian situation, the, the, the trade wars are one thing, yeah. but they've been rumbling on for weeks and weeks. In fact, it's not weeks and yeah. weeks, it's months and months and months. Yeah. And yeah. It, it seems to me that there must be serious problems. If you can't sit down for a week with 100 mm. people on either mm. side and say, okay, mm. we'll do this, and it keeps on getting postponed, mm. there must be some serious cultural and ideological differences between the two parties. That's the first thing. But that goes on and people are just being numbed. It's like Brexit. We don't care anymore. But the other thing is the Iran situation. And mm. Mr. Trump really has got to be in his bonnet about this country. Well, I think, I think, I don't think he's got to be in the bonnet. I think it's his two advisors, Pompeo and, uh, Pompeo and Bolton. Yeah. You know, who are two hawks who, I don't know what their end game is and uh, they've probably been influencing him. Um, but it, it can turn very, very ugly. Yes. You, you, know, you know, it always worries me when a nation is being pushed into a corner and there's no way out. Remember that it's not that they can negotiate their way, their way out because America watches who's trading with them 
and takes action against those nations as well. So, um, you know, if, if the Iranian economy really uh, starts to collapse, then there's no telling what they can do. And, you know, they're, they're a naughty nation. They can do anything. They've got the weapons and they've got the influence. And uh, this could be, a, you know, a real powder keg in that area, in the Middle East, yeah. uh, which I'm sure the Saudis are worried about and so are other countries. So, yeah, it, 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 that's among other things. And then uh, you, you mentioned the trade wars. Of course, this, you, you called it ideological standoff, uh, mm. two different countries. Uh, the Chinese consider Americans as, as uh, you know, spent force, tired, whatever they are, a, a former superpower. And there's similar suspicions by the Americans of the Chinese, you know, steal their ideas. Uh, they're regressive, they're imperialist, whatever it is. Mm. And, and Trump, as he said overnight, you know, they're not going to become a superpower under his watch. That's crazy. That is, that is you madness, know, mad talk. You know, in other words, it's so I'm inflammatory. To, well, it is inflammatory. You know, I'm not going to let you be the superpower. You know, I'm going to bully you, bully you into submission. Mm. And, and the, today your trade links are so, I mean, the networks are so involved and, and everybody's so linked. Uh, you know, the whole of Europe, Japan, wherever you are, you're linked into both nations in your, in your, uh, not only logistics, in your supply chain. So, so what's happening now is, is there's a huge amount of uncertainty and all the tech companies, uh, that supply Huawei, Huawei, whatever you say, Huawei. Huawei, whatever, <laughs> uh, yes. I know what whatever they are. Yes. Um, you know, whoever supplies them under severe pressure. So the NASDAQ is taking a knock because of that. It's Apple and Qualcomm and all these businesses as well. Yeah. In Europe, it's in your part of the world, it's ASML, yeah. which supplies the lithog, a great company which supplies the lithography, I think it is. It's, yeah, uh, you right. use them to make. Yeah. Well, everybody's under pressure. So it's, it's a crazy situation. And, uh, you know, Carrot Top is, is just unpredictable. He's unplayable. <laughs> you don't know what next is going to come out of his mouth. Yeah. You're quite right. <laughs> David, um, we have to finish on football now. Um, it's always a sad time of the year for me. Obviously, we've got the June the 1st to look forward to, the UEFA Champions League final in Madrid between Tottenham Hotspurs and Liverpool, extraordinarily. And we've got Arsenal versus Chelsea in Baku, the capital of Azerbaijan, uh, which I think is coming up uh, the Thursday before. Is it? Is it this Thursday? Anyway, I think it, no, it's a Thursday. It's uh, Thursday week, maybe. Twenty-seven. What is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thursday week. Exactly. But I've been looking back at this season, and this has probably been the season of the most mm. excitement in football, English mm. and European football, mm. that we've ever seen. I mean, mm. just looking about it as a silly thing called the FA Cup. Watford versus yeah. Wolves, the, oh, the no. semi-final. No. Watford 2-0 well, down with a couple of minutes to go, and then they equalise, and then they go through, and then Watford go on to lose 6-0 to Manchester City, the extraordinary Manchester oh, no. City. Liverpool versus Barcelona, 3-0 down against no. probably the best team in the world, but obviously not the best team in the world, because then Liverpool turned them over 4-0. Extraordinary game. Even more extraordinary, yeah. I thought, was Ajax versus Spurs. Spurs 2-0 mm. down, and 3-0 down, on aggregate at half time and then coming back and winning with the last mm -hmm. kick of the match and even more so which is something that many of the mainstream listeners might not know about was Leeds versus Derby County mm. in the semi-final of the championship 
<laughs> the same situation, 3-0 down, and came back to win the blooming thing. It was incredible. What a season it's been. It has been. What, what staggered me is how professional soccer players with three goals in the bag uh, you know, can just fall apart yes. and how they get rattled, you know, and can't control themselves or can't put a team together or, or, or haven't got a game plan that can prevent or stop, uh, uh, those kind of losses. Look, I'm an Arsenal man and, uh, for us, it's, we've, we've had many of those results where we've been four up at, four nil up at half time and end up drawing the game or losing it. So I know what it's like and I, you can actually psychologically feel the team crumble, you know, they panic. And I think that's what happened to Ajax. I think, I think Barcelona never turned up to, to, oh, to the other disgrace. game. But, but sure, I know. Mm. But still, it has been a phenomenal season. And I'm, I, I like Pep. I think he's done incredibly well for Man City, you know. Hey, brilliant. Did brilliant you see him after the, the game? Everyone else is celebrating. And yeah, there, there's the ticker tape it. parade and everything, mm. and the cup had been presented mm. when they beat Watford six 0 mm. in the FA Cup final on Saturday. Mm. And then yeah. he sat, he stood, and he gave Raheem Sterling a grilling about something. You, there, there's there's a really good piece of footage. <laughs> what, are you, what were you doing? They just won six 0 and he's still giving him a grilling, telling him you should have done this, you should have done that. Pep is a maniac. He's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, but but look what he's achieved you know, at whichever club he has been there, whether it's been uh, Barcelona, Ma, uh, Bayern, or uh, or now Man City. So mm. he knows how to manage a club, and 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 credit to him. Yes, um, it's there. The evidence is there. Mm. And credit to you, David Shapiro, as always on a Monday. You speak to us, and that was Shapiro World with David Shapiro from Sassman in Johannesburg. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with ShareNet.co.za.